Hello and welcome to a show of their own, Sports and Life with Morgan and Laura. I'm Morgan. And I'm Laura and welcome to our episode this week. So we have a ton to get to. There are actual MLB news, there's the NHL trade deadline and all of that. But I think we both agree that we'd be remiss if we didn't first handle something that's pretty heavy. Um, Obviously, I'm assuming most of you know what happened in Minnesota with the shooting. Um, Again, I think that's an important part to say a police shooting again. And of an uh, unarmed black man. Yeah. And I, I think the best summary of the situation for me, my college roommate was talking about, and I don't know if she, it was a retweet or she just posted it, but the the press conference it was like the police chief said oh well it's apparent to me that like because she the officer yelled taser taser and then like accidentally I'm using the like air quotes just because we don't know I'm not saying she it wasn't accidental but here's the thing if a, a person had an intruder in their home and Minnesota doesn't have like a stand your ground law or anything like that so you can only shoot if there's like imminent danger and thought they were tasing the intruder and ended up shooting them because they had a gun instead of a taser that civilian would be charged with something Mm -hmm. so it really I mean it matters in the sense of what the charge is But to me, there is no argument that there has to be a felony charge of some kind. Like, there is no argument. And and it it baffles me, it boggles the mind that cops are held to a lesser standard when it comes to gun use, when it comes to use of force, when it comes to so many things than, and even something as silly as like speeding, cops are held to it in driving cops are held to different and lesser standards than citizens and to accommodate that black people primarily have to not only do like follow the law better than the cops they have to follow it better than all of us they have to like follow all of these unwritten rules i mean god the the police have more unwritten rules than major league baseball yeah and it's just, it's, I, I, it's, it's so weird because like, I'm angry, but I didn't have to like work up to this anger. It was like there, it wasn't like, like, can you be shocked, but not surprised if that makes sense? Yeah. Like, like yeah. watching, I saw the video and please, if, if that's going to upset you. Please don't watch the video. Like if you don't think you can handle it, don't do it. Like I can never stress enough in times like these, like you also have to look out for yourself and all that. But in watching the video, it just, it was, it was shocking to watch, but then it wasn't because like this has happened so many times and it just, I don't even know what to say at this point. That's what I got. Yeah, it's it, it's hard to find something to say when it happens so often. Um, I saw something on 
Instagram and I, I, I don't remember who posted it, but because um, it was in a stories and I kind of was like reading it pretty quickly, but it was something to the effect of only in this country can you not be over the last lynching before another one happens. Yeah, it's like there were protests going on right now in Minneapolis for because George Floyd. Yeah. George Floyd's murderer is on trial. And I don't even really like saying his name, so that's why I put it that way. But um Oh the cops. Yeah, that's what I meant. George Floyd, I'm totally fine saying, but I don't like saying the cop's name because I I have a thing and I will say I think the media has gotten a lot better about this when it comes to like terrorism and domestic terrorism and stuff like that of not saying or like gun violence not saying the perpetrator's name because making them notorious right gives an incentive I I think a similar thing here like we can talk about George Floyd without yeah saying his murderer's name so but anyways all my point with that was that that trial is going on and there are protests going on in Minneapolis right now and then of course this happens and it's just it's like I I don't even have the word for the feeling that it is right now and it's hard because it's like a mixture of multiple feelings but I don't know that a word exists for it yeah I yeah I totally understand because I even I've tried to think of a word I'm like it just because it's shocking but it's not yeah it's like angry frustrating but then also kind of resigned like there's all of these different like swirling emotions that I have and I'm the first one to admit like I'm not even close to the most impacted by this yeah and it's just I I don't even know what to say at this point so but I will say from a sports perspective it was nice to see pretty much immediately all of the Twin City professional teams mm-hmm. uh, postponed their games. So the Wilds, the Twins, and the Timberwolves. And I yeah. thought that was really good. So at least it seems like they learned. Yeah, because they, they decided that pretty early in the day. Yeah. And um, – now, this is a topic for another time, but there, there are some people saying the NHL just shouldn't have had games for another reason, and then they wouldn't have had to worry about this. But um, I, at, least, at least that happened. And that's the thing is, I think with each shooting, I've seen – George Floyd was a turning point for me. I think I saw a lot of people like a united – not completely united, but more – united message where I think even a lot of maybe center right people not like your hardo like insurrectionists right republicans but you're more like maybe probably didn't vote for trump but might vote probably voted for romney kind of republicans mm-hmm. um who are like finally get it who are really, who, who like are, are part of, and, and I, like, there's no excuse for the fact that it's too late, but the fact that like it, it, they should have done it sooner, but the fact that I think that feeling is so widespread now, I'm hope, I'm just, I can't, I, I want to hope that some kind of reform 
I did see there was um, a state that just that today. Um, oh, I wish I could, I'm not gonna be able to find it now. That I said it. Oh, it was Maryland enacted a landmark police overhaul for state to repeal police bill of rights. So, I, I mean, I don't know about. Maryland's politics I don't know if this is easier for them because they lean more liberal but I would like to hope that being a first state there's going to be a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth and so on that really takes a harder look at police reform and anyone who makes the argument that it is either status quo or we just like get rid of the police. Like people say defund the police means we have no police. And they don't understand what a lot of people are arguing, which is honestly something that a lot of states were doing for specifically for drug related offenses. Like you could say they were defunding the prisons in the sense that they were sending a lot of low-level drug offenders instead of a year in prison it was a year in rehab and they found they have a lot less recidivism and it's cheaper and also then you don't give people criminal records for the rest of their lives um so that those kind of things those kind of reforms happen and that's what people are asking for they're not asking like no one is saying that we just need complete anarchy I don't think anyone right. is arguing for that. And it's such a straw man. And so I just need people to stop at that. Yeah. But I feel like we've said a lot about it, but I just wanted to make sure we covered this. We are going to talk about, like I said, a lot of things happen in sports, but just know that our hearts definitely are, are hurting at this time. And we're definitely keeping aware, but we're also, and I think we always say this, look out for your own mental health in this. If there's things you can't consume, you aren't obligated to read every tweet. Like you can be aware without knowing every little detail. Yeah. All of those things. Like take care of yourself too. So I hate these transitions. Yeah. There's hard pivots. Legitimately no way to transition from this. So I'm just gonna say we're, we're jumping to a new topic. That's the yeah. only transition I got. I can't try to connect these. There is no connection. <laughs> no. Um So I guess we'll start with the MLB. Uh, Yes. Morgan, would you like to cover? Yes. So I have five headlines from around baseball over the last week. Um, So first is kind of one that we touched on at the end of last week's episode, and that's that the MLB All-Star Game will officially be in Colorado, which will make for a very fun home run derby. Uh, that's all I got for that, but it was a headline and beginning of the season is kind of like weird. There's not, there's like a lot to talk about and then not much to talk about all at the same time. Um, the other thing that as a Ranger fan, I just want to get out of the way quickly is that the San Diego Padres, uh, got their first no hitter in their 53 year team history. Unfortunately, it was against, my team, the Texas Rangers, <laughs> of course. Um, and unfortunately, it was not you, Darvish, that threw the no hitter. It was Joe Musgrove, um, who was I just for um, 
for, uh, I don't know, as a Ranger fan and baseball fan would like to remind you that he was a 2017 Astro. Uh, so it is kind of like there's a heartwarming t- element to this and that he grew up a Padres fan, grew up in the San Diego area. So it, it has that, well, good for him kind of vibe. But again, as a Ranger fan, I'm little bit like well of course it was the rangers that they get their first no hitter against um it would have been a perfect game had joey gallo not taken one from the team for the team and gotten hit by a pitch in the fourth inning uh a fun little detail that i found out when reading an article in the athletic was that uh so the rangers hired a new gm this offseason chris young it's still, I kind of don't really understand it because uh, JD is still uh, um, the range GM ish. Like it almost seems like Chris Young is GM in training, but he's the one making moves. Still don't quite understand it anyway. Uh, JD is John Daniels. I said JD because I legitimately could not remember his name for a second there and everyone calls him JD in like articles anyway so I was like I can get away with it um but anyway so the Padres in their last they've been a team for 53 years so they've taken no hitters into eighth and ninth innings before just never completed it however uh the Rangers GM-ish whatever you want to call him Chris Young was the last Padres pitcher to single-handedly take a no-hitter into the ninth inning and then he had to watch his team get no hit Um, also not fun for him in that game that he took the no-hitter into the ninth he lost the Padres lost three nothing so that's always fun when you have a no-hitter and your team doesn't even give you any uh, run support so on to the next headline, which is that um, I don't like to talk about Trevor Bauer on here, except this is perfectly fine to talk about because he's under investigation with MLB. I saw this. Um, which was a fun notification to get personally. Um, so last Wednesday, he had his second start of the season. He pitched against the Oakland Athletics and the umps apparently discovered like some markings and substances on some of the balls. So they kind of like put them aside so that um, they could be looked at by the league Um, in March. um, Also all this information is I got from the athletic Uh, in March, MLB had sent two different memos to clubs saying that it would, uh, step up monitoring and enforcement of rules prohibiting pitchers from applying foreign substances to baseballs. I don't know why they decided, oh, in 2021, we're really going to step it up and really pay attention to that. Um, I'm assuming because of the juiced balls in 2019 and then 2020, they were just like, it's a short season, do whatever you want. Um, however, um, so MLB... I'm reading directly from the article, um, MLB vice president of on-field operations, Michael Hill, um, sent that memo to all, to high ranking officials. I'm assuming that means GMs and like presidents of teams, um, of all 30 clubs. The commissioner's office will review stat cast data this season to analyze 
changes in spin rates of pitchers suspected of using foreign substances, some <laughs> substances, and compare those spin rates to the pitcher's career norms. The reason I included that is because last year, Trevor Bauer won the Cy Young for NL. And he had a spiked spin rate. I think the article said that he had the highest spin rate of any pitcher in the MLB. And it was somewhat significantly higher than his spin rate of previous years. Um, so, but then they also said that spin rate analysis wasn't what brought attention to Wednesday. It was the fact that the baseballs seem to be sticky and have markings in them. I, I'm curious if, cause it doesn't, I, I can't imagine the spin rate analysis happens during the game. I mean, I know we're advanced, but I don't know that we're that advanced where right. it's like a gun, the radar gun that you can get so fast. Right. Um, so I'm thinking that's kind of like, okay, they're going to analyze the balls and then also compare it to the stat cast data that they have. Um, the issue that they say, which is obvious that this would be an issue, is that can they, if they were like, yes, it's a foreign substance like pine tar on the balls, how are they going to prove that he was the one that applied those substances? And then like what kind of punishment would go with that? Because like the only, the, the thing that I can think of off the top of my head is um, in 2014, um, Pineda, I think is how you pronounce the name for the Yankees. He like very clearly had pine tar on his neck and was like going at that to put on the balls to help his spin rate. But, and he got 10 games, but that it's like the ump saw it during the game was able to identify that he was cheating that way. And then you could immediately. Here's the thing apply though. A- Wouldn't he know, even if he didn't, he didn't apply it. Wouldn't he be able to tell that there was crap on the ball? Like, right. and you so would in, think in that quick case, and this is where like legally use, like that's a lot of civil court that has the nice, nice caveat. You either knew or you were negligent and not knowing right. because they don't want to force people to have to prove something, which is hard to prove that someone knew. Um, and I think, I mean, considering you have to pick up the ball to throw it, I kind of feel like no matter what, whoever actually applied the substance, Bauer has some culpability. Yeah, because if it wasn't him, it would have been his catcher, which I feel like if the catcher is doing it, it's pretty obvious because there's a home plate ump literally standing right, right behind him. And if it's not. Also, wait, okay, because it would have to be him because now that I'm thinking about this, the home plate ump is the one that has the balls before the players ever touch them. So is the home plate ump could framing been, Trevor Bauer? Like, could it be like the bat boys? And this is what they're going to do. They're totally going to throw yeah. the bat boy. Yeah. The- <laughs> I was going to say, it's the bat boy takes the ball from the dugout to the home plate ump. The ump gives it to the catcher or throws it to the pitcher himself if he's feeling like he needs an ego boost. So like... I can see how we're going to have a scapegoat here. It's totally going to be bad. <laughs> we figured that out. <laughs> Case um, so also um, Wednesday's game for context, by the way, Oakland got their, got one that game. It was their first win of the season. 
Bauer didn't get the loss, but still, he didn't get the win either. Not that those matter, but for me, they do in this instance. And um, statistic, like obviously not contract wise, but there are like record books and yeah. implications like that. Um, he allowed two runs in six and two thirds innings, striking out 10 and walking just one. Um, I was kind of curious, like how they uh, like put the balls aside um, and the authenticators label the balls that need to be removed and uh, set aside to be sent to, I'm assuming the commissioner's office to look at um, because authenticators, I believe authenticate every single baseball, regardless of what happens to it. Like, even if it's just a pop-up. Cause they, they might, they might auction it off yeah. or something. Um, the interesting thing in this article that I don't remember knowing, maybe I knew and I, and I'm pretty sure this is a thing that started, I would guess, after the Astros um, cheating. So they have compliance monitors, um, which I feel like does not sound like they're talking about a human. But um, kind of sounds like hall monitors. Right. Uh, the compliance monitors who roam the dugout, clubhouse areas, batting cages, and bullpens in search of rule of, I don't like that phrasing of this thing rules violation I feel like it just be rule violations um regarding both electronic sign stealing and the use of foreign substances were also on site so I don't know if like the umps can be like hey I think there's a substance on here and then like the monitors have to be like yeah I agree let's go send these in or how oh my god the the umps and the like monitors they're gonna start having like (laughs) signals like all the base (laughs) coaches do to be like hey go over here and also, like, I'm really curious because obviously I didn't watch that game, but I'm really curious, like, how the umps tell the authenticator, like, hey, set these aside. Because, like, from what I've seen, I'm assuming it's like this in all ballparks, but like at the Rangers ballpark, the authenticator sits in like the camera well area next to the dugouts. And I think there's just one authenticator per game. So, like, on the home team's dugout. So, like, did he have to walk all the way over there and be like, hey, set this one aside? And wouldn't that be obvious? Like, if I – I do not want to be Trevor Bauer, but if I was the pitcher of that day, I'd be like, um, sir, why are you putting my baseballs over there and setting them aside rather than letting, like, the bat boy or the catcher or the pitcher throw them over there? Yeah, that – there's a lot I, – I think this is one that there needs to be, like – whoever needs to write like an oral history of where you get a bunch of different people in giving quotes. And I'm curious to see how long this will take because it's Monday evening. And I think that news came out Friday evening. I don't think it was Thursday evening. I think it came out Friday evening um, and he pitched Wednesday afternoons and I haven't heard anything since then. So I'm really curious, like how long does this take? Because it's not like you're, it's not like the Astros cheating scandal where you can like comb through footage and find different things. Like it's just baseballs. You have, there's either substance and markings on it or there's not. Yeah. And like it would deteriorate over time. So exactly. No, in the beginning, whatever. And And I'm assuming if it's going to the commissioner's office, that's in New York. So you'd be shipping the baseballs from California to New York. I have a lot of questions clearly. Yeah, (laughs) me too. Um, The other big piece I'm assuming it's big piece of news it's big piece of news as a Rangers fan um Rubnet Odor was traded to the Yankees um that's big news for the Rangers I, I don't remember if I talked about this last week but um he was not put on the roster 
opening day. And that was a big deal because he's been the starting second baseman for the Rangers since 2014. And he signed a big contract a few years ago and has never lived up to it. So as a Rangers fan looking at other Rangers stuff, kind of assumed he was just going to be released and the Rangers would just pay the rest, I believe, 26 million left on his contract and just kind of wipe their hands clean be like, okay, because I really didn't think he had much trade value. I was apparently wrong because the Yankees of all teams, again, did not expect them. Again, I don't know much about their infield, but apparently they could use a second baseman. Um, from what I've seen, he, I, I only know of two at-bats. He singled in both of them. One of them broke up a no-hitter in the fifth inning, so I guess it, he's doing well. If you know, Small sample he, size, though. Yeah. I believe he went one for five today, but he broke up a no-hitter, so that counts for more. Um, so if you know Rugnet Odor, you know, before he went to the Yankees, he had a big old beard. And if you know the Yankees, you know, they do not allow beards. So he is now clean shaven and it's weird. He looks like a child. Um, that's not an insult because I too look like a child and we are the mm -hmm. same age. Um, it's just bizarre to see someone with, who had a big old beard for years no longer have that beard okay I want to see some uber star like Bryce Harper or something end up on the Yankees and with the whole shave. beard no well and see if they end up having to do this because here's the thing Lou Lamorello who is was the uh, general manager of the Devils for a long time he had this rule like no big numbers and shaving and all of these different rules and the like he did no big numbers I don't get it but that was his rule and it was like never broken well then one year the devils trade for Yarmir Yager Yarmir Yager wore 68 for that point like 15 years because he was a, a really old NHL veteran and he still wore 68 in New Jersey and so because it was like people basically told Lou like no yeah, you just can't do this. So if you're enough of a legend that people will be like, and the rules don't apply to you. <laughs> um, well, that I mean, it didn't happen to like a big name star, but um, a couple years ago, the Yankees tr traded and got this um, a prospect that I feel like was a big name prospect. I don't know if he's lived up to that or if he's doing anything right now, um, but Clint Frazier he had like really long red hair and like the Yankees also, you have to have shorter haircuts. Um, so I believe they made him cut his hair too, which obviously if you're a prospect, I mean, you don't have that much. Uh, yeah. That's what I'm like. I want to see Well, okay. Albert Pujols. Like, Ooh, that'd be weird. Right. And he has been in the league for how freaking long? Like, I, I would like to see someone like that and just see what happens. I, would, I feel like I would I, bet that that just that policy alone would be why the Yankees would be on a lot of no trade clauses. Yeah, but here's what I feel like, because it's like, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> it's not in my contract. I am not doing that. Yeah. I wonder how what they are you going to do with it? Yeah. Like if a player just says no, then what are they going to do? Yeah, because it used because to be like in the early 2000s, it's like, okay, but if they trade you, you go away from being on the Yankees. And now that's yeah. not quite the same thing. I mean, right. they could trade you to like 
terrible like Miami or something but I mean still I'd rather be in Miami with a beard (laughs) on the beach like yeah (laughs) and like I guess if you were like grew up a Yankees fan you would do it if you're not your lifelong dream but like yeah like like, I'm just I was, saying, I think this might be, this, this might be not long for the road. Yeah. I was going to say like DeGrom, but he's cut his hair. So that doesn't really hold up anymore. Yeah. Um, which speaking of DeGrom, I actually need to add that we're going to have six headlines because his is just like a little snippet. Um, but uh, so, you you know how the Mets are the Mets? and they're um, they're continuing to be the Mets (laughs) yeah and DeGrom always just like he needs to be on a team that will give him he he will pitch no hitter and his team will also be have no hits at the same time yeah like straight up and he will lose and he will somehow end up with the loss because it will get broken up in like the eighth inning oh yeah um so on what was the 10th Friday right Mm mm-hmm no, Saturday. Yeah, today's Monday, 10th was Saturday. Okay. Um, he struck out 14 players, didn't walk anyone, gave up just one run, and he was in line for the loss. Uh, that sat line, including the loss, which I think he ended up losing. Which is batshit insane. Right. Only half has ever happened one other time in MLB history. And that was in 2012, uh, James Shields lost to the Orioles, uh, striking out 15, zero walks, one run. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, so DeGrom lost that game. The Mets were shut out. That's, so, and this happens all the time. They All the time to him. There's some kind of stat. I have to find it because it's a running stat. And I'll find it for you, and you can put it up on our Twitter page. There's, like, a stat that they flash on the local Mets broadcast that's like jake degrom's era like uh or like er or uh win loss rate in games where he has an era under two yeah and it's insane it's like way a losing record it's insane like you strike out 14 and you your team still can't put any run support um i don't did i say who they were playing because i don't know who they were playing i don't know either but it's the Mets. But still. It doesn't matter. It could be the worst team in the league. <laughs> Honestly. Um, and then final headline. This I had to move this in last minute because this was going to be my rave, but then I had a different rave. Um, that's what happens when you pick a rave at the very beginning of the week and then other things happen. <laughs> um, so you probably saw on Twitter that Jock Peterson hit his first home run for the Cubs. And there was a picture that went around and he had a waffle maker in the dugout. He was holding a box like a new waffle maker like that's that was his prize for hitting his first home run as cubs well apparently and i don't know where this is who it's from an article but the person didn't credit the articles i don't know where this article came from i'm assuming it was a cubs beat writer but it's just a screenshot of part of it so um hap which again it cut off the article so i can't remember this is that jay it, okay, it's, I knew there was two different haps, and I didn't know which one. Ian Hap. Okay, so him and Peterson were apparently talking about 
a waffle maker the night before. It said the two had actually discussed the waffle maker the night before when Pedersen and Hap were texting about the game. They thought this might be the trick to waking up the team's bat. Hap says, yeah, I'm bringing the waffle maker. You know, you're going to waffle some balls. Pedersen said it was pretty funny. So I guess his bat woke up and he won the the waffle maker because he hit a home run which is so much better than like in hockey where every team has a version of some stupid hat they pass (laughs) around every game oh speaking of that um the rangers have that now it's very (laughs) hockey of them it's a cowboy hat okay that's cooler in baseball because not everyone does it everyone does it in hockey and it's boring now i appreciated it because it was a very hockey thing and then the stars have a baseball bat so i kind of appreciated their little like parallel symmetry yeah um but the waffle maker without any context seeing a player just walk around a dugout with a waffle maker is probably the wildest thing I've seen in a dugout of recent memory it's pretty awesome I love that I dig that and now on to all the NHL stuff so okay a couple of things first (laughs) of all I have one non-trade to talk about and that is um the stars, I wanted to include this, claims defenseman Sammy Vatman from the Devils off waivers. And there are a couple teams. I know Montreal did this with Victor Mete and tried to sneak, like, not actually as bad players through waivers to get some cap relief. Mm-hmm. And we're thinking because of the trade deadline day that they could maybe get away without getting claimed. And the stars were brilliant because. Vatnin is a great like power play he's got a good shot like very solid depth for and can do a lot of things so and to not have to give up anything for him the thing that's wild to me um the Boston Bruins are literally running around with like no like they're an AHL defense that I've never heard of. And I know like get names. I just even don't even, like Boston Bruins fans don't even know. And the Buffalo Sabres. And maybe the Bruins couldn't have got him. Cause I forget exactly the order, but the Dallas stars are dang near near the bottom because it's based on like your, Oh, ac- actually, no, I, t- I take that back. Bruins couldn't have claimed him because it's based on in the beginning, it's based on your standings last year, but then it switches to your standings oh. this year. But the that means the Sabres are like top of the list, could get anybody. And he has like another year or two left on his contract. And he's a body, which who has played NHL games, which the Sabres don't have a lot of. So like they maybe should have done that. <laughs> so, but I'm, I'm interested to see. I kind of thought when I first saw that, because that came out at 11, I had heard a lot of like Jamie Alexiak trade things. And I kind of thought they were like, oh, and we have our Alexiak replacement and now we can trade him. And then we end up like with an extra asset sort of thing. But then I they was didn't. honestly terrified. But I, I really like this decision because you need players for the play. Like if they, and obviously they're not quite in the playoffs right now, but if they make the playoffs, you need extras like you need backups because people get hurt so I think that's good god and the stars sure know that so with that I have a bunch of trades I literally wrote out every trade that happened (laughs) I I capped it at 
April 7th, because those I still count as being a part of this deadline. But the, there was like April 7th, and then the one before that was April 2nd. That's not the same thing. Um, and here's what I'm going to do. There's a lot of these trades where it's literally like the most I'm going to say about it is just the trade because there's nothing to say. It's like a depth move. It's like a, I, it was, this was going to be my rant, but it's not, it was the GMs were like, well, I haven't done anything. Let me just throw a seventh round pick at something. And, oh, you can I, tell I, when those trades happen. And too. I hate that too, because these are players who have to get up and move in a yeah. pandemic. And a lot of these guys aren't making the big bucks. Like, chill out just don't make a move no one's like oh my god you got madison bowie you're a genius like no chill out like don't so anyways I, i'll just like I'll, I'll come up with the signal to be like yeah nothing <laughs> but the first one is very not that devil's islanders this was the one that happened on the seventh big trade um one of the biggest available like everyone knew was getting traded so the Devils end up with A.J. Greer and Mason Jobs drops two prospects. I don't know how good they are. A 2021 first and a conditional 2022 fourth. And the condition is if the Islanders make the finals, it becomes a third. Um, the Islanders get Kyle Palmieri and Travis Dajak. Kyle Palmieri is a really good winger. And considering Anders Lee is out for the season, brilliant move it's like getting a replacement who's probably as close to as good as Anders Lee as you were going to get in this trade line short of getting Taylor Hall which he ha would have to waive a no move clause and I really don't think Taylor Mo Hall was waiving a no move clause to go to the Islanders so realistic options best one you could get and Travis Dajak is like a good center I believe and you can always use those like I think Two really good, solid players who fit well with the team identity. Barry Trotz is probably going to love having them. And for the Devils, like, they got two prospects. I think they're kind of eh, prospects. But they got a first-round pick. Like, they got some actual, like, real assets in return and quite a lot. Like, I think, it, I think it's a one where you can say both teams got pretty fair value out of it. So, starting off on a good note, um, next – this is the first of our <laughs> trades. It's probably the most interesting. So that's good. We're getting it out of the way. The Blackhawks and the Florida Panthers. Blackhawks get Greg Connolly, rights, signing rights to Henrik Borgstrom, Riley Stillman, and a 2021 seventh round pick. Panthers get Lucas Walmart, Lucas Carlson. This was the Panthers clearing cap space. That's all that was. And throwing in some assets to do that. So <laughs> that's all that was done. Now this one, again, similar kind of thing. And let me explain it. Uh, Blue Jackets, Maple Leafs. This is not the one you're thinking about. That comes later. Columbus gets a conditional 2022 seventh. And I will explain the condition after I say that the Leafs get Riley Nash. The condition is that if Nash appears in 25% of the Leafs playoffs games, then it becomes a sixth round pick. Here is the thing. I have to explain this because it was for cap reasons because Riley Nash is injured and isn't likely to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And this is so dumb, but this is how the cap works. And it finally clicked in my head. I finally made sense. So how it works 
is your cap is like an, a daily thing. So that's why you see the things where people send down players on off days and then call yeah. them back up all the entry level people because they can yeah. do it. And then they bank that extra space. And then basically they add up all of your days at the end of the season. And it's like, this is what you spent on the cap. How LTIR works, long-term injured reserve, is it doesn't like lower your cap or anything. It What it basically says is instead of 81.5 million, tack on that person's salary and you have to prorate it for how long you have the person. But you have to tack it on to what you're currently spending. So to maximize the cap relief, you have to be spending as close to $81.5 million. And then if you tack on that on top, then you get that that you can apply. You can basically bank some extra space. So the Leafs, a very rich team, one of the richest in the league, basically said, hey, we'll pay this guy some money to not play for us. And then it just gains us cap space that we can then use to squeeze under the cap. So it's very confusing. It yeah. just now clicked in my head how all the math works. I can't explain it, but it, it makes sense to me. It has yeah. to do with how it's all figured out. But they do this a lot where they get injured players so that they can get the extra cap space for it. So that's all that trade was. Very confusing, but kind of interesting. Um, next, Avalanche Red Wings. Avalanche gets... Um, Patrick Nemeth, uh, Detroit gets a 2022nd fourth. And in that deal, Detroit retains half of Nemeth's salary, which is the maximum you can retain. That's an important note. The maximum any team can retain is 50% of the salary that they have of that player. Very important, comes back multiple times in this. But for this trade, depth, done. Sabres, Panthers. Sabres get a 2021 third round pick. Panthers get Brandon Montour, which is defenseman. Uh, the Panthers were kind of needing some de- defensemen. If you look at their defense, it's a little shaky and always can't have enough defensemen for the playoffs. So that's that is. This one's a little interesting. Avalanche Sharks. Avs get goaltender Devin Dubnik. Sharks get Greg Patteron in a 2021 fifth round pick. So the deal is the Avalanche have Philip Grubauer. And then they have a lot of guys who would probably be like the fourth string goaltender on other teams. And they, so Grubauer has played like so, so much of the games. And in a condensed season, it's not good in a normal season to play your goaltender this month. In a condensed season where there's back-to-backs and all that stuff Mm -hmm. galore, bad, bad, bad idea. So to try to get some rest, they got Devin Dubnik, not having a great year, hasn't had a great last few years, but I think isn't not exactly a high bar more reliable than these fourth string goaltenders they have because Pablo Francois their normal backup is injured so that's what that is um, next our first uh three team trade where that salary thing I told you about comes back so this is Columbus Detroit and the Islanders. The way to think of this is this is really mostly a trade between the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Tampa Bay, not Islanders, the Tampa Bay Lightning. And Detroit acts as a middleman and in exchange for retaining some salary, gets like a a small pick or something like that. That's how these trades always work. And they happen a few times. So 
I'm not going to go through because basically you have to do multiple small trades to end up in this three team trade. I'm just going to say who they ended up with. Columbus ends up with Tampa Bay's 2021 first round pick uh, and the 2022 third round pick. Detroit Red Wings end up with the 2021 fourth round pick from Tampa Bay. And then uh, Tampa Bay ends up with David Savard and Brian Lashoff, who is a guy who the Red Wings had to throw in. So they, because this happens because it's multiple trades, you can't trade for nothing. And technically just retaining cap space, there's no asset coming back. There has to be Mm -hmm. assets going both ways. So that would be Guy is who Brian Lashoff is. Um, But the idea is, follow with me, Columbus first trades Savard to Detroit for some random, some of those assets. In doing that, they retain 50% of Savard's salary. So Savard um, is now 50% cheaper. Then Detroit middleman sends it to Tampa Bay for some asset that the, the fourth round pick that they threw in is like a, hey, thanks for being our middleman. In that, the Red Wings retain 50% of his current prorated. So basically 25% of his overall salary. And so Tampa Bay ends up with David Savard, a defenseman, at 25% of his original salary, which is $1.0625 million, which is pretty, pretty good for what David Savard is. So this comes up a lot, but it basically makes the cap work. For Detroit, they weren't using that cap space because they ain't doing anything this year. And so they just stockpile picks. It makes perfect sense. The Leafs actually did this last year. Uh, Robin Leonard was a Toronto Maple Leaf for like five minutes. And then they got like a fifth round pick for doing that and retaining some salary. So that's how that works. Um, first of many, the uh, Devils, Capitals, Devils get Jonas Siegenthaler, Capitals get a 2021 conditional third round pick f- from Arizona. And the reason I thought this is the most interesting part of the trade. So the uh, Coyotes and Devils had a trade and included in that trade is a conditional third. So if that condition is met, then the Capitals get that third round pick as part of this trade. Mm. If that condition isn't met, then they get the Devils third round pick. However, this is just probably cap, cap clearance, depth defenseman, who cares? Speaking of who really cares, Red Wings Canadian. Red Wings get Hayden Verbeek in a 2021 fifth, and Canadians get John Merrill, depth defenseman. Always good to have. That's about it to say about that. But then we get to a fun, exciting one. And another three-team trade. that This involves Columbus, the Sharks, San Jose Sharks, and the Leafs and the San Jose Sharks if you couldn't figure out the teams involved are acting as the middleman so Columbus ends up with a 2021 first which is Toronto's a 2022 fourth which is Toronto's the Sharks end up with 2020 round fourth which is Toronto's probably retained gotten from someone else I think I wrote that down wrong um and then the Leafs end up with Nick Felino and Stefan Mason, a.k.a. Guy the Sharks had to throw in to actually have an asset going the other way. <laughs> um, and Nick Felino was the captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets, and it was the same exact thing that you heard about with Tampa Bay. Columbus traded him, basically threw him to the middleman, retained 50% of his salary. Then San Jose trades him to uh, 
the lease and retains an additional 50%. So they're getting Nick Felino at 25% of his salary, which is $1.375 million. So pretty significant savings. Nick Felino, his dad played for the Maple Leafs and was kind of a bit of a legendary Maple Leaf. He's going to wear the same number his dad wore. Very cool things. Like I think the Leafs are really stoked. Not like the greatest player ever. Yeah. Uh, not the greatest value ever for the trade. Because when you look at some of the other trades, getting giving up a first for this is a lot. But where, where Toronto is, he's a great ad for that team. Makes perfect sense. And I really, I, I really like him. He has this cute video, Nick Felino, because they do, there's this sponsor in Columbus that does like carpool videos and they sponsor it was a different one. So for a while it was like William Carlson, who is now with Vegas when he was with Columbus, he did this carpool thing, but then it changed to carpool with the captain where it would be like random players in a car driving around with Nick Felino. But then in the off season, he had his three kids and it was absolutely precious and so I I just love and he's so funny with them and just everything so anyways long story to say I I like what the Leafs end up with they gave up a lot probably gave up more than fair fair value but if they win the cup or even if they go kind of far I think people are going to say it was worth it speaking of Leafs they this is like at 11 o'clock last night and then like 11 15 or something like that. It was right after Steve Dangle uploaded his video about of the last course. trade. Um, the, the Flames, the Calgary Flames and Leafs made a trade. The Flames get a 2022 third round pick from Toronto. And the Leafs get goaltender David Riddich, a.k.a. Big Save Dave. And, of course, for the Leafs, the Flames retained half of his salary. Now, a few things. Freddie Anderson has been out for a while and while Jack Campbell has been literally record setting he has his 11 and 0 so far for this year um however there it's kind of a similar situation to the avalanche which is like their backup is Michael Hutchinson which is not ideal and um so this gives them that insurance of having a backup um Obviously, if you don't get Anderson back to the playoffs, having David Riddich as your backup is better than nothing, but not the grade. I mean, it's, it's kind of, but it makes sense for me. It was like some people said it was a third round pick they gave up for a kind of insurance policy for something that there's a decent chance they'll need to cash in. So pretty makes, makes good sense to me. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, perfectly logical the one thing I wanted to point out is the difference so Nick Foligno is going to have to sit out a week because he's coming from Columbus because um, David Riddick is coming from Calgary he can play pretty soon now I I imagine that won't I imagine it'll be like the first back-to-back or something like that they're going to try to time when they get him in that's not like the first night they need him okay an absolutely the stupidest trade (laughs) (laughs) so far Uh, the islanders get Braden coburn and if you're like who like i barely know that name i'm pretty sure he played for like the lightning at some point but he was like barely played and the senators get a 2022 seventh so the senators are just stockpiling picks cool and i don't know what the islanders are doing (laughs) done now this move i actually like and i have something to say about the Bruins and the Senators. The 
Bruins get Mike Riley and the Senators get a 2022 third. Now, Mike Riley is definitely a second third line center, although I think he's a little better than people give him credit for, but not that great. But considering the Bruins have been icing like nearly all AHLers, the fact that this guy is a legitimate NHL defenseman, even if he's a 5'6 or something like that, that's better than what they got. So this the 2022 third for that makes perfect sense. So I thought this is a good trade for the Bruins. Next, my team, the one trade we made. Um, and I actually really like this trade. So the Kings get a 2022 conditional third and a 2023 conditional uh, fourth. The third can become a second if the Penguins reach the final and Carter plays in at least 50% of the games. Um, who is the player? Uh, fourth becomes a third if he plays in 50 games next season, which is quite a lot considering it's an 82-game season and he's kind of old. Yeah. So, so those aren't guaranteed conditions. Um, and then we get Jeff Carter at 50% retained. So it's about 2.6 and a bunch of numbers, million dollars. Um, I really like this because right now our com- offense is completely decimated. Jeff Carter is not what he was. He's kind of a, Nick Foligno is definitely better, but kind of like that where it's like chiseled veteran, but that's good presence to have on a team that is playing a bunch of young guys out of necessity. And if he can just hold the fort and then be like a third liner, maybe when things settle down, that's fine. You know, fourth liner, whatever. Like, I think this makes perfect sense. And a 2022 conditional third and a 2023 conditional fourth as the only thing. But so potentially at max, we gave up a second and a third and most likely gave up a third and a fourth or whatever for a trade deadline for the Penguins ain't that bad. I'm, I'm not mad at it. And I like that this is the only move in our, our team was like, hey, we put out, and our new GM was like, we put out calls, but we didn't really, like, no one was really giving us anything we wanted, and so we weren't yeah. just going to make it. So this is the only thing that made sense. And I like that, because yeah. a lot of times we're just trading our first round pick for everybody. <laughs> so this is much better. Now, the biggest trade, bar none, and also the most perplexing trade. <laughs> The Bruins and the Sabres. The Bruins get Curtis Lazar and Taylor Hall with 50% of salary retained, so he costs $4 million. Taylor Hall, who like four years ago when the MVP was like, was the number one pick in the NHL draft. Um, so you're thinking, like f- comparing it to Nick Foligno, first round pick, like good prospect. What are they getting? They get Anders Bjork who's like a fourth liner and a 2021 second round pick. I mean, legitimately, well, they got more for Nick Foligno than Taylor Hall. Yeah. That makes absolutely no sense. But I mean, Anthony Mantha, which we'll talk about, who's a good player, but he isn't Taylor Hall. Right. Red Wings got so much more for Anthony, how, how does this happen? Like, and I'm looking at, and I know people are going to say, well, Anthony Mantha signed longer. So that's how, but there are all of these trades that you can look at and be like random dude got more, (laughs) got like 
costs more than Taylor Hall. The Sabres are such a joke. And I get it that Taylor Hall has a full no move and had to wave it to go somewhere. But here's the thing. Here's the negotiation tactic. Listen, Taylor, if you don't give us enough teams, you're stuck in Buffalo. And that's going to impact your value for next year. So where do you like, give us a list. It can't just be one team. That's all the negotiation you had to do. Because people were like, he only wanted to go to Boston. I would say, I would wait him out. Fine, we'll keep you. It will torpedo your value. Yeah. And you are a, a UFA next year. So give us some teams. Give us something to work with. And I just legitimately think, like, I think the, the logical answer is the Sabres are that stupid. And the, this isn't the best deal that they could have gotten by a mile, but they just took they're a dumpster fire. This is legitimately horrible. I feel bad for Andrews Bjork because he's going to be like the butt of a lot of jokes. Not a bad player. This is like all over again. Taylor Hall was traded for Adam Larson. Adam Larson, good defenseman. Not Taylor Hall, but got on the other end of the Taylor Hall trade and so kind of got crapped on. And I think this is a similar thing, but the Sabres are the Sabres. It's like so a more pathetic version of the Mets, current Mets. Yeah. It, it ain't good. Um, Blackhawks, Canucks, don't want to spend any time on this. Blackhawks get Adam Gaudet. Canucks get Matthew Highmore. These are like a few years in prospects, not really prospects anymore, who need a little bit of a change of a scenery. That's what that is. Oilers, Devils. Oilers get, get Dmitry Kulikov. The Devils get a conditional 2022 fourth. It becomes a third if Oilers went around in the playoffs. This is a depth defenseman. Um, Blackhawks and Avalanche. Blackhawks get Josh Dickinson and Ryder Rolston, neither of which I've heard of, which doesn't mean they aren't okay, but they aren't the most amazing prospect ever. The Avs get Carl Soderberg, who played for them before, so they get that familiarity back, and he's a center. So some depth for them and a player who's familiar with their team and their systems, because I believe he played for them last year or the year before so he's really the year before he played for Arizona last year so pretty good for them um kind of a big trade this is the one that people wanted to this is the one that we can compare to Buffalo so the Sam Bennett it was known things weren't working out in Calgary he needed a change of scenery and they finally got it with the Florida Panthers and so the Panthers get a 2022 sixth round pick in Sam Bennett. And for that, they gave up a 2022 second round pick in Emil Heinemann, who is a 2021 second round pick, or 2020 second round pick, sorry. So just this past draft, second round pick. So because it's so new, the Flames essentially got two second round picks for Sam Bennett and a sixth round pick. For Curtis Lazar, who is much better than a sixth round pick, and Taylor Hall, who is eons better than Sam Bennett, they can't get the same return. They couldn't even get two seconds. That's insane. Like, I'm sorry, I'm ranting about that still, but <laughs> I, I don't mind this trade for Florida. They've done good with, like, Mike Hoffman last year was a change of scenery that played well for them. It's like, kind of low risk like the two seconds isn't nothing but 
if you can get over that. And with how well Florida is doing, I think it's worth it for them to go for it a bit. And I believe Sam Bennett does well in the playoffs. So definitely worth it in that regard. Um, next, I wanted to talk about a name Morgan will be familiar with. Uh, this is a three-team ta- trade. Uh, again, clearing house. And it's the San Jose Sharks again, providing the cap retention. Um, the Blackhawks end up with a, it's Blackhawks Sharks Vegas, I should say. And the Blackhawks end up with the 2021 second, which is from Vegas, and the 2022 third, which is also from Vegas. The Sharks end up with the 2022 fifth, which is Buffalo's, but was given to them by Vegas because Vegas owned it. And with all of that, Vegas ends up with, I'll give the two nothing parts first, Nick DeSimone and a, a 2022 fifth from Chicago. Nothing, nothing, like I said, just random picks and stuff. But they also get Matthias Yanmark. And Chicago retained half, and then the Sharks retained half of that half. So they get uh, Matthias Yanmark for $562,500, which is less than the minimum contract. Pretty awesome. I didn't even, I, I didn't even see this trade. I, I like this trade. I think uh, Yanmark can play center and mm-hmm. the Knights have been a little weak in that and need some depth in there. And so I think he's good depth. Always good depth to have in the playoffs. This, I mean, a second, a third, and a fifth for him, whoever Nick DeSimone is, and a fifth. That's a lot to give up. Mm-hmm. Um, a second and a third for, again, compared to Taylor Hall. But uh, <laughs> a second and a third is a lot to give up. But again, with where Vegas is in their trajectory, I don't hate that. It's kind of, I'm okay with it. Um, the most boring trade ever that I referenced in the intro- introduction. Blackhawks get a 2021 fourth. The Canucks get Madison Bowie in a 2022, 2021 fifth. Next. Red Wings, this is an actual interesting one. Red Wings continue on their rebuild and trade one of their young, good players, but old enough that he's not really a prospect anymore. He's like one of their best players currently, but definitely wasn't going to be, was going to be a little older when their prospects kind of aged in. Um, So, the Capitals get Anthony Mantha. That's the pro- that's the person. And in exchange, the Red Wings get Richard Ponick, Jacob Brana, a 2021 first, and a 2022 second. The way you look at this, Richard Ponick and Jacob Brana are how the cap works for Washington. That said, they're not cap dumps. They're not completely horrible players. Jacob Brana is a pretty decent, I believe winger I believe might be a center but decent second third line Richard Ponick is more of like a third fourth line winger but they're both like steady mainstays in the lineup in Detroit they definitely have spots in the lineup so I mean while they may not provide a lot of they're not in your long-term vision there's a value to the fact that they fill roles and are actually NHL players um, and can just kind of they're veterans that there's some real value to that for Detroit. But then obviously getting a first and a second round pick for Anthony Mantha, I think that's found money. Stevie Y is a great GM. This is not news. Um, I think this is a great trade for 
uh, the Red Wings. And I really like Anthony Mantha. So I think this is a good trade for the Capitals and where they are in more win-down mode. So I think both teams did well. I would say Detroit maybe a little better, but I like it for both teams. Um, Ducks, Leafs, this is a depth defenseman trade. Ducks get 2022 fifth, Leafs get Ben Hutton. Next, Canadians, Flyers. Uh, the Canadians get Eric Gustafson, 50% salary. They, uh, and they retain 50% salary on, or at 50% of his salary. Sorry, I can speak. <laughs> um, the Flyers get a 2022 seventh and they retained that salary. So they end up with some of salary. For the Canadians who are obviously a playoff team, the nice thing about Eric Gustafson is if Shea Weber gets hurt, he can step up and be a first line power bag quarterback defenseman um he could also be your second unit um he's really good at that that's like kind of what he's known for he's not really great anywhere else he's more of like a third pairing defenseman but he has real marketable skill on the power play and for a seventh round pick why not um another change of scenery trade um between the ducks and the hurricanes the ducks have had hayden flurry for a while now and he hasn't done as well as they hoped so they trade him or the Ducks, the Hurricanes had Hayden Flurry, and he hasn't done very well, as well as they'd hoped. So the Ducks get him now. And for him, they get Yanni Hockenpah and a 2020 Sioux sixth round pick. First of all, Yanni Hockenpah has quite the name. I was going to say that is it a is fun name. Finnish, very Finnish name. Um, he's pretty decent, like not great, probably not going to do a ton, but I think you know what you're getting with him. Yeah, this is a fine trade. Um, depth trade. Uh, again, I think it's more of a change of scenery than anything because I think both weren't playing but could potentially, like there's a, a case that they should be. Mm-hmm. And so trading them, maybe the other team will play. Sharks, Leafs, Shark get, Sharks get Alexander Barabanov. Um, Leafs get Anti Suomela. Next, I do not know how Eric Branson continues to get traded and people actually want him. He is not a good defenseman. But that said, the Predators have him. And uh, the Senators in return get Brandon Fortunato. I don't know who that is. And a 2023 seventh, just even getting a seventh round pick for Erica Branson is a win. So (laughs) I'm going to call that a win for the Senators. Um, Flyers capital. The Flyers get a 2022 fifth round pick. It's Vegas's, but it's Theo, the Capitals. Um, The Capitals get Michael Raffle. Um, and in that trade, the Flyers retained 25% of the cap. So Michael Raffle is $1.2 million. I believe he has an extra year, which is part of the reason why they only retained 25%. I think it's another more change of scenery kind of thing. But I don't hate this. He's a depth player at $1.2 million. That's found money. That's not bad. Well, it's only a few hundred grand, which is only a few hundred grand (laughs) over the uh, minimum. So not bad. And finally, Canucks Jets. Canucks get a 2021-6. The Jets get Jordy Ben. The Jets badly need defensemen, and Jordy Ben is a defenseman. He is a solid third-pair defenseman, but he's a defenseman, and they need him. And he's he's on a Canadian team, so yeah. And that, my friends, was all the trades that happened in the trade deadline. I am so proud that I made it through all of those. I had something to say about everything, even if it was just depth trade done. Yeah. But we made it through. We are clearly not climbing the corporate ladder today because (laughs) that was enough for all of us. That was a lot. 
But now it's time for rant and rave. Yes. And I want Morgan to start because okay. I have just spoken a ton. Okay. Um, my rant probably won't come as any surprise. I want to say I even ranted about it last week. I can't quite remember. Um, or no, last week was I ranted about Royals. So no, this is uh, different. Um, it's about the Rangers organization. And they had their first homestand this week. And <laughs> are you shocked that masks weren't really enforced? Because I'm not. Um, they were, they had a technical sellout on Monday, which means 40,000 is capacity. Selling 38,000 is a, considered a sellout because they don't include comp tickets in those numbers. Um, the next night, it looked about the same amount of people uh Wednesday was an afternoon game and I I don't think the crowd was as big they didn't play Thursday Friday was the sellout or not sellout sorry the no hitter it looked to be a fairly big crowd I mean it was a Friday night I expect it Saturday's game I believe they said attendance was 35,000 um Sunday's game truly don't remember um, but it wouldn't be surprised if it was 30,000. So we are still in, in, in a pandemic, regardless of what the Texas governor likes to say. We are also not near herd immunity, which he is also saying we are, which <laughs> herd immunity is 70 to 80% of people have that's from a vaccine or antibodies from recovering from COVID. <laughs> State of Texas has vaccinated, I think it was like 20% of people. So we're nowhere near that, regardless of what he says. Rangers are not, I talked about this like think two episodes ago. Not only are they not enforcing masks, they're not doing a very good job at even pretending to enforce it or have even some kind of policy. If you remember the video I talked about a couple weeks ago where on their own Twitter, they showed the guy pulling his mask down and like he just had the drink in his hand, never took a sip. That's basically what's going on. I have not been to a game, but I'm hearing from people who have been to a game who do wear masks that people who aren't wearing masks aren't being told to do so. And you can clearly see it on the broadcast as well, because the cameras, which from a marketing PR standpoint makes no sense to me, do not even try not to show people without masks. And granted, I realize it's hard when you have 35,000 people and most of them don't seem to be wearing masks. I realize it's hard to find even one section full of masks even though there is a socially distant section, but I'm really actually working with, again, 35,000 people showing up. Um, this is gonna be a long rant because I have a lot mm. to contain in it. Um, my issue is also during seventh inning stretch when they play God Bless America, I realized in past seasons, you would show fans in the stands singing along with it. Great, that doesn't really work when you're in a pandemic because Again, there are so many times the camera pointedly shows people without masks and the policy is you can have your mask down if you are actively eating or drinking, which no one is doing during God Bless America. Singing isn't one of those things. I swear to you yesterday when I was watching the game that they showed like straight middle of the camera it wasn't even like they were trying to show the person in the corner wearing a mask no one wearing a mask then they went to a different section it was an elderly man wearing a mask properly which I was very proud of but the woman next to him 
was wearing it under her nose and the three people in front of him had no mask in sight that was my issue how bad is it that like above average is having a mask below your nose like right that's that's actually like (laughs) well into this pandemic and like my thing is I get that the cameras were not operated by Rangers employees. They're operated by Valley Sports Southwest. Or as I like to call them, BS Southwest. (laughs) Um, But you would think they would try and at least make the Rangers look good (laughs) by showing only people in masks. Um, But they're in God Bless America. I don't know. Maybe just show the players in the dugout and the singer. And you don't have to show me into the crowd. I will just assume they are all... The waving American flag. Good God. And it just boggles my mind because then I mean it's sad when I get excited that I saw um a little she looked like she was eight or ten I got excited because the little girl was actually wearing her mask and I was like oh my god teach your adults next to you to do the same because whoever she was with I don't want to assume it was like her dad or anyone but the adult she was clearly with talking to didn't have his mask on and that little girl I was so happy I was like wow children are better at this than adults she kept her mask on except for when she was eating her ice cream and I was just so proud and I'm that's gonna, a ridiculous thing to be proud of I'm gonna say it kind of hints at the fact that teachers may be enforcing this better yeah. than the Texas oh, Rangers for sure um I also I've ranted about it on Twitter I'll do it here again and someone even uh snitch tagged on my Twitter which by the way that's a whole that's a tangent rant if I don't tag someone in my tweet for a reason and don't want them to if I wanted them to see the tweet I would attack them anyway um Emily Jones is the Rangers dugout reporter she's seen my tweet now so she knows I'm not a big fan um she is a Rangers employee and I feel like that needs to be said because yes she is on Bally Sports Southwest and she is holding a Bally Sports microphone she is under contract with the Rangers um (laughs) She has been in the stands for multiple games when they do like their breakaway and like this, it's like the sixth or seventh inning is when they usually like pivot to her and show her in the stands. Um, No mask. And I have a lot of issues with it, especially the first game, I kind of gave it a pass because she was in a section that was like a food section with like tables and chairs. So the people around her I'm sorry, I don't give her a pass. I gave the people around her a pass because they didn't have masks on, but they were legitimately actively eating and drinking. She didn't have a mask on. The next game, the Rangers in their new ballpark have a rocking chair section, which actually looks really cool, but you actually have to, turns out those are actual legitimate tickets you have to buy to sit in that section. It's not just like first come, first serve. Anyway, she sat there. She had people on either side of her not actively eating or drinking, not a mask in sight for any of them, just casually talking at a baseball game totally fine she was elbow to elbow with these people and then I I didn't see her breakaways for a couple games so she could have been in the stands for all I know but there were a couple times where they showed her and I was like oh she seems to be in the dugout you could see fans walking past just behind her head but she wasn't next to people no mask I can deal with that then yesterday came around and again at the rocking chairs no mask and I saw a lot of people in my, not a lot, I saw a few people in my comments being like, well, it might be for audio reasons with the mask. No, you can wear a mask 
and hold a mic and have clear audio. It should like works. post a compilation video and be like, tell that to all these people. Oh, I uh, took a screenshot and you know how much it pains me to compliment anyone with the Astros organization. Um, but not only did their dugout reporter wear a mask in the dugout, six feet away from a player holding a mic, it worked. Imagine that. Um, the Astros also have plexiglass, which the Rangers might too, but I can't tell. Um, like above their dugout, like yeah, above their dugouts and like between the camera well and the dugout. It just seems like they have way more protocols that they're actually following with. Um, the, the tweet that I got uh, snitched tweeted on was I took a screenshot of the Astros reporter with her mask on using the mic and to the effect I was like huh interesting so mics work when you wear a mask had no idea and someone tagged Emily in that and she saw it and she said thanks for sharing um did not take my advice I'm sure um but my thing is just like freaking wear a mask I don't care if you've had COVID before and you have antibodies right now don't care if you're fully vaccinated you can still spread the virus this is gonna eventually be my rant for every episode until the pandemic ends because it's never gonna end if people aren't wearing masks especially if you're on tv because if you're on TV, you can't every break be like, I had COVID, so I have antibodies, or I have the vaccine. Like, so people and, are going to infer, so like you're encouraging less mask wearing, even right. though you're supposed to wear it after having it in the vaccine. Definitely not disputing that. But even if we're going to make that argument, doesn't really work when you're on TV. And I think this goes along with something I said about the stars last week. And it's that even if it's just you setting an example, you're just doing it for looks of wearing a mask, you don't really believe in it, whatever, commit to it. If the Rangers are going to say we are enforcing a mask policy, even if they're not, maybe have your employees on the broadcast wear the mask. Yeah, and promise we won't say it's for PR because don't care. For whatever reason, do it. Right, and look, I will say I am not harping on like the, the Rangers employees that are the section ushers for not constantly reminding people to put on their masks because well, they also have to do what they're like guided and instructed to do so if they aren't instructed to be strict about it they're kind of tight and also um a couple episodes ago I talked about that New York daily I think is what it was article where two ranger employees were anonymous about and talking about the full capacity I don't I got <laughs> Majority of the Rangers ushers are older and hopefully by now vaccinated, but I can understand if they are picking and choosing their battles when it comes to rowdy, probably belligerent, possibly drunk fans who will not wear their masks. I understand if they are just like, that's not something I'm going to deal with today. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not, my rant is not about them. My rant is about the other employees who are on TV not wearing masks. My rant is about Ranger fans who are not wearing their masks. And I will say, and maybe this isn't, this is like a contradictory to my point, but the Rangers broadcasters don't wear masks. But I think it should be pointed out that they are in their own booth. And there's two broadcasters and they're also socially distanced. And I believe there's even plexiglass between there them. There usually is. And they're not out with fans. It's just the two of them in their booth. So I understand not wearing a mask in that capacity. Yeah. 
and that's my a issue. lot of report like sideline reporters it kind of depends where they are because yeah. like there'll be times where they're clearly filmed it like pre-game and they're in the outfield and there's clearly no one around right that's different than being like in a sea of fans yeah if you're going to be elbow to elbow with fans put on a damn mask so <laughs> just wear a mask that's yeah, just and if you're in public with people wear a damn mask um my rant is decidedly less important but it happens so often I put it in the the at the bottom of the episode doc so you can look at it Morgan dumb thousand game logos that teams come out with for players in the NHL they're always dumb and the latest one is Milan Lucic is at a thousand games and so his nickname is Luch and so we had to use a thousand to spell Luch and it is ugly. It looks like one a one thousand ch. Yeah, Morgan's I, giving me a look, and it, it's terrible. It, it took me a second on the cap to be like, why is the one in two different colors? And it so it spells Luch. Isn't that really dumb? Like that at all? It is beyond. I gotta find. I'm gonna find this for you while I talk. Uh, but there are some terrible, and every team does this, where they do, like, 1,000 game logos. Um, okay, so I just found it. I'm going to paste it in the, the doc. Duncan Keith. I want a live reaction of Morgan to Duncan Keith. I'm scared. Look at that. What does that spell? It kind of looks like it spells dick. Yeah, sorry, I forget that this isn't like a visual medium and that Laura can see my face, but you guys listening cannot. But my face was like a dumbfounded, excuse me, kind of look when I saw it. They tried to make the K of Duncan Keith into like one K, but it ends up just looking like dick. Yeah, that. mm. So can we just cut it out with the the like five minutes logos that people come up with for players 1,000 games? Just celebrate 1,000 games. Truly. We don't don't have to make it a little like, I don't know. That's just not. They're all terrible. They're all terrible. (laughs) So please end those. Um, Rave time. My rave is a little um, proud alumni moment. Um, so, uh, I went to the university of North Texas. We don't have a baseball team. Well, there's club baseball, but we don't have like a, uh, actual baseball team. Uh, we have softball team and I covered softball when I went there, um, in 2017 and they were like an okay team. Their softball team hadn't always been that great. I truly can't say I've kept up with it to know if the team as a whole is good this year but last I believe it was last night not yesterday afternoon um their pitcher threw a perfect game oh wow 21 strikeouts she struck out every batter she faced that's amazing for the first perfect game in school history and I just thought that was a really cool moment. Part of me was like, oh, why couldn't they have done this four years ago when I was covering? Um, 
but yeah, I even got an ESPN notification and usually I never get ESPN notifications about UNT unless it's basketball, maybe football, but to get it about softball was pretty cool and just kind of made me a little like a little proud. That's amazing. Yeah. Mine also seems decidedly stupid in comparison, but I wanted (laughs) to talk about it because I keep so the Penguins have this promotion and it's not the Penguins. Um, It's a sponsor. Um, And it's for Jake Gensel, who is probably my favorite player. Who's not like a star. Well, he is like, but not Sidney Crosby or Kenny Monken basically Um, because he went to UNO or university of Nebraska at Omaha. So he went to school like 30 minutes from me. And so love him he has an endorsement deal with a local establishment in Pittsburgh called the milkshake factory and they make a bunch of milkshakes and he has his own milkshake called a Jake's shake and it is chocolate shake with hot fudge crushed cookies and cream and brownies topped with whipped cream and like a chocolate 59 bar Ooh! so this is the coolest thing ever every game that Jake Gensel scores a goal the next day Jake's shakes are half off and with the rate I think he's at like 18 goals I forget what he's at he's at some crazy number of goals and with the rate like like uh the the Twitter account for the the milkshake factory said at this point like it's almost permanently at half off because he scores so many goals amazing and so I just love seeing that and also if I ever I'm not going to say if, because I'm going to speak this into the universe. When I make it back to Pittsburgh, I have to try one of these because it sounds really good and it looks really good. So just a shout out to the Jake Shake promotion. That's amazing. Um, Also, I feel like I would like to do this every episode if sports comply, but um, on a shots for shots related note, if you listened to the end of the episode last week, Um, literally like a couple hours after we posted our episode. So I would like for us to get credit for this, even if it's just a coincidence, I want credit for it. The Reds announced a vaccine incentive and the Cincinnati Reds baseball team. Um, and they are doing $10 tickets to fans who show their COVID-19 vaccination card, um, offer only pies for like Monday through Thursday games. In a- yeah um april and may i'm assuming they might make it if it, if it works i'm assuming they'll br- bring it through the rest of the season but um you can and you don't have to be fully vaccinated which you probably should be but they said as long as you have at least one vaccine completed one shot you can get the ten dollar ticket honestly like i i've done some research because i have one of the shots yeah the the eff- effective rate if you have the Pfizer specifically because yeah. I don't know what them into, but the Pfizer one is like a week after it's something like 75 yeah. percent or something which is higher than the flu shot well and it was to the point where they were discussing the CDC actually had internal discussions about should we prioritize trying to get as many people their first shot yeah. or and then they real but like there's a window you have to get the second right. shot in and so they kind of backed off that but getting the first shot if everyone just gets the first shot that'll be huge for society yeah. obviously get the second shot but right right I, I'm cool with them rewarding whatever and like I just like a ten dollar ticket that's I mean that's pretty hard to come by for any sports team unless I mean I don't know how much like the Marlins charge for a ticket um 
but like the, and but from, I mean the the Reds are actually a team like the Marlins yeah exactly on. like ten dollars and I, I I'm sure that's limited to certain sections I'm sure that's not like a ten dollar ticket behind home plate although that would be a good incentive um the, I and from what I I don't watch a lot of Reds games but from what I remember they have a pretty nice ballpark so like paying ten dollars to go to that game and like an evening game or heck play hooky in the afternoon I'm not gonna judge you um for ten dollars and then spend the rest of what would be ticket money on concessions like I think that's worth it um yeah and I will also add I think like it would be cool too of like if they wanted to do like some kind of raffle or something like you get ten dollar tickets and like one vaccine getter every game gets like a signed baseball or something yeah or like a jersey from the the team shop or something yeah something cool like that so they're probably probably like no those are like a hundred bucks we're not raffling (laughs) but there's so many things you could do yeah so so hopefully maybe next week we'll have another team to add on to that shots for shots list yeah for sure (laughs) so with that long episode but fun one we're gonna see you all next time thanks everyone